Welcome to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. This program is designed to inspire you to stand on the Word of God and to help you build unshakable and unstoppable faith in Jesus Christ. Here's your host, Dr. Kazumba. On today's topic, we'll be looking at uh, prevailing through the strength of God's Word. I have a special guest, Susie Lasson, author of uh, Prevail. Let me tell you briefly about Susie. Uh, Susie Lasson is a talk radio host, national speaker, and best-selling author. Susie hosts the daily sh uh, talk show, uh, Susie Lasson Live, which airs on the Faith Radio Network. Susie reaches a half a million people weekly through our daily blessings on uh, Facebook. Susie's passion is uh, to, to, to see women everywhere awakened to the value of their soul, the depth of God's love, and the height of their calling in Christ Jesus. In Prevail, Susie Larson guides you through the arc of the entire Word of God using powerful scriptures, passages, thought-provoking questions, and practical steps for applying what you have learned. Susie offers 365 days worth of opportunities for you to know God's Word, experience His presence, hear His voice, and do what He says so that you may finish the race faithfully and joyfully that God has called you to it. Susie, welcome to the program. I'm so honored to get this time with you, and I love you already, just the few minutes we've gotten together. So what a dear brother in Christ. Thank you for having me. Before we talk about uh, some of the topics that are in your new book, Prevail, and uh, on, our topic, uh, on our topic of the day today that we'll be looking at, Prevailing Through the Strength of God's Word. In your previous book, Fully Alive, you open up about some health issues you have faced. Could you share with us briefly about that and also share on how you prevailed during that time through God's Word? Really glad you asked that because it really does provide uh, context and perspective of where I'm coming from and what I'm searching for in Scripture. So to give you just a little backstory, a little uh, short synopsis of, of my, my life, I grew up in a large family, um, and I was a real people pleaser and uh, a sweet little girl, they tell me. <laughs> but uh, when I was about nine years old, I suffered a trauma, a sexual trauma at the hands of some teenage boys. They pinned me down, and I won't say more than that, but... I got up from that place as a nine-year-old, so confused about what happened, and uh, it really opened up a canyon of insecurity, of self-loathing, of absolute confusion about who I was. And because I was so confused about whose fault that was or what just happened, I didn't tell anybody. But that began nightmares and not sleeping at night and just massive insecurity. You just you experience the world basically through a different nervous system when you walk through something like that. And when I was 10 years old, I was walking home from school by myself, and I was just a little four-foot thing, a little tiny thing, and a different group of boys were hiding out in the dugout. I think they were in there doing something. They, they were high, I'm pretty sure, because all I remember, I was walking home from school, and I hear them say, get her. And they run me down, knocked me to the ground, and they, they beat me um, pretty bad. So they kicked me in the stomach, punched me in the face, pulled fistfuls of hair, and these boys just were pummeling me, and I was this little girl curled up in a ball, screaming, crying, and they laughed wildly as they did it. 
And once they were done with me and they kind of walked away laughing, that, I, I'm quite sure they were high. I know that in my adult brain because what boys would do something like that to a little girl. Uh, but when I got up from that moment, I heard in my ear, Dr. Charles, I can get to you anytime, anywhere, and God will never stop me. And it was like at that moment, I knew God was real and I knew the devil was real. Prior to that, I didn't have a saving knowledge of Jesus, but I did really know God was real. I felt his presence at times. But at this moment, I knew I had an enemy as well. And I often like to say, uh, you know, the devil sees your potential long before you ever do. All you have to do is look at your childhood. Look at the first time you knew you weren't enough or that, you know, or that there was a threat that, they, you know, you weren't safe because his threat to you is very connected to your threat to him. So all of that to say that really created a context for me for fear, for insecurity, always bracing for impact. Uh, once I got into my middle school and high school years, I was a good athlete and uh, could do a few other things. So I kind of tried to earn my way out of the pit that I found myself or believed myself to be in. I came to Christ and uh, as a young teen, and at that point, I knew I was saved. I understood that I was saved, but I didn't know that I was loved. So when you jump ahead to my young married years, it's a long story short, but I was uh, on bed rest for six months with our third son. So I had a one and a three-year-old and a six-month bed rest pregnancy, which was no picnic. But one of the days, I was probably in, had been bended for three months, so I had three months to go. But the doctor said, hey, why don't you get up and test the waters and see how you do? And so I was very careful, met my old college roommates, and we went for a walk and had lunch. Long story short, I was back in bed that night. Two weeks from that outing, my face started to go numb. My short-term memory started to go, and I started to have a lot of neurological symptoms. And I was young, you know, late 20s at this point, and uh, very terrifying to go six months on bed rest and overlapping, thinking something is going on in my body that's serious. And... Um, a year later, I found out my one day up, I was unknowingly bit by the deer tick and contracted Lyme disease. And when, that, when I realized that, I heard it in my ear again, I can get to you anytime, anywhere, and God will never stop me. So here I'm a believer. I'm a passionate pursuer of Christ, but I had a lot of trauma in my soul, and I had a subconscious belief that I had to endure everything I feared. And I, and I know that people who've been through trauma that, that can become a core belief. You can love God at the same time uh, as bracing for impact if you don't resolve some of those things in your soul. So jump ahead to Fully Alive, the book that you mentioned. I had a pretty massive health relapse about five years ago, and it was uh, quite traumatic for me, to be honest. I couldn't believe at this age that I was having to go around this uh, mountain again, a lot of neurological fireworks going off in my body. And, you know, for the last 20 years or so, I've been dealing with a chronic health issue, but I'm a health-minded person, so I have found a way to, to work around it. But this was pretty devastating. And in that moment, in my bathroom, and my arms were going numb, my neck was numb, the room was spinning, and I'm like begging God, please, no, please don't make me go through this again. Please, Lord. And I heard the Lord's whisper in my heart, the storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. And I'm like, what? The storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. I'm like, well, what, what's the lie that I believe, Lord? And I could hear it in my ear. I can get to you anytime, anywhere, and God will never stop me. And that's when God broke through and said, Susie, you have believed that your whole life. And we don't outrun lies. We turn around and face them. It is not true that he's been able to get to you anytime, anywhere. You don't even know what I've prevented in your life and how I've provided. I've had him on a short leash, and it's time now. It's time now. Uh, I'm not going to let you lose. 
but I have to let you fight. And that battle, I'm you know about 85% health-wise out of that relapse, but that was a D-Day battle for me, Dr. Charles, and that really brought something up in me that showed me how many times we have hindrances in our own soul to our own flourishing. So to prevail, I searched the scripture cover to cover. And I looked for evidences and opportunities to flourish and stand strong. Evidences where they did it right, that we can learn from them. And opportunities where they did it wrong, and we can learn from them too. And my prayer is that we could be healed and restored and mobilized to be the, the Christ followers Jesus always meant us to be. But one point you made that stands out for me is that uh, you've battled these uh, chronic issues, but you have a health mind. And that is just an attribute of uh, the Word of God that you stand on. And I hope our viewers are following that. Let me, now, let me go to this talk, uh, uh, point here uh, that you make in uh, one of your devotionals. You have written in your latest, latest book, uh, Prevail. The title is uh, Perspective Before the Breakthrough, where you write about how Joseph's experience in prison prepared him for the palace. Could you just share on that as well? Yeah, that's one of my go-to stories. And they say that if you have go-to stories and go-to passages in Scripture, that's part of your life script. And I so related to Joseph's story. And I remember one day reading in the Psalms that it said that because God knew there would be a famine in the land, God sent Joseph on ahead. And, you know, up to that point, I felt like Joseph had been left behind. And I had felt like I'd been left behind. I felt like he lost my address, quite honestly. I mean, my friends had their health and they had their wealth and I had neither. And I couldn't figure out as a young believer why I was a have not. So I studied that his life intently and to realize that God was, you know, I think William McDonald calls it training time for reigning time. That God allowed one injustice after another in Joseph's life to prepare him for the destiny that was written over his life. And so that perspective before the breakthrough is just a nuanced part of the story that jumped out at me. Here he's, he's in prison. You know, he's falsely accused. He's sold into slavery. All the things that had happened to him. And it seemed in every scenario he rose to the top. And you only do that if you have a heart of faith and a heart of perspective. I think when you get bitter and get offended with God and get full of self-pity, you spiral down, but he rose up. So there's, that says something about what was going on in his heart. So there's this point in the story where uh, the Pharaoh's uh, cupbearer and his baker were in prison. And Joseph comes upon them and in so many words says, hey, why the long face? <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> because why wouldn't you have a long face? And especially Joseph, you of all people, should have a long face because you've been, you don't even deserve to be there. But, you know, these, these prisoners were entrusted to Joseph's care. There's so much to that story, Dr. Charles, because it shows of his stewardship of the injustice. It shows of his honor of God, even though that's not ever overtly said, but he trusted God. And it shows that even in his misfortune, he was in a position to minister to those in need around him, that he had some kind of faith perspective to say, why don't you have a faith perspective? Let me help you out here. And for me, again, going through many of my years, feeling like I was one that was a have not, I had to really fight and contend for a faith perspective to go, you know what, his promises are true even when they don't feel true. And if you are really in Christ, you're never a have not. I mean, all of the riches of the heavenly realm belong to you. You're seated with Christ. When you come boldly into his presence, 
He's always glad to see you. So the circumstances don't get to decide and determine our status in life. Really, it's the fact that we're seated with Christ. That changes everything. That is so powerful. The circumstances don't determine, uh, 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 you know, what God desires to do with our lives. That is so powerful. So here is my follow-up question, because uh, you have written powerfully in your latest book, Prevail, the importance the importance of the uh, uh, the importance of the impossible you write you explore how david first uh, seemingly impossible situations can you also share that story to us uh, uh, as we deal with uh, this topic of prevailing Absolutely. And if you don't mind, Dr. Charles, I actually want to read this one just because I feel like it, somebody needs to hear it today. So as you said, the title is The Importance of the Impossible. The verse is First Chronicles 11, uh, 5, and it says, The Jebusites threatened David, you shall not, you shall never pass through these gates. I love the next word, nevertheless. Nevertheless, David captured the stronghold Zion, now known as the city of David, and he made it his capital. Joshua and his armies never captured the city of Jebus during their conquest of the land of Canaan, and Jebus remained in the hands of the Canaanites until David became king. The enemy told David, you will never break through these gates. Nevertheless, David broke through and he made it his capital. He not only claimed his God-given territory, but he also renamed the city Jerusalem, which became hugely significant for future Christians. Jerusalem was the birthplace of the church. It's where Christ was crucified and rose from the grave. It's where Jesus poured out his Holy Spirit upon his followers. And it is from that city that the gospel has gone out to the ends of the earth. The locked gates before you are nothing more than an opportunity for faith. I want you to hear that again. The locked gates before you are nothing more than an opportunity for faith. If the land before you is God assigned, then no demon in hell will keep you from it. Your possession of the promised land has historical implications. Your story is always bigger than you are. Your story and your breakthroughs are never just about you. May God open your eyes to see the significance and the importance of the impossible tasks before you. May mountains move, gates open, and waters part. I love this one. I think it's one of my favorites. Can you talk about God's promises to Abraham and Sarah and their response to that promise? Yes, I, I love that one as well, because it talks about when God had issued that promise to Abraham and Sarah, it says that Abraham bowed low but laughed on the inside. And it shows this disconnect. And, you know, it'd be easy to judge him going, okay, he's going through the motions, but believing something quite different. But how often do we do the same? And I think we're especially prone to that if we've walked the faith journey for a long time, because we get very good at our Christianese. We know the words to the song. We know our way around our church, and we know our way around the Bible. And I often say that when you start to go through the motions, you disconnect your heart. And when you disconnect your heart, you disconnect your faith. And when you disconnect your faith, nothing happens in the spiritual realm. We need to see ourselves as the kingdom people that we are. And I believe this with everything in me. We're more spiritual than we are physical. So when we are worshiping in spirit and in truth, when we are praying and, there's, and we disconnect, we, we, uh, we deal with the disconnect, I should say, when that gap starts to widen between our outward actions, our Christianese, and what we actually really believe, when we narrow that gap, and deal with the disconnect. So what our words say match what our heart believes, 
things start to change in the atmosphere. I mean, it really is the difference between somebody singing the song Waymaker, Miracle Maker, but they're running through their laundry list in their mind, and the person who's putting a flag in the ground saying, even when I can't see it, you are working, God. When something connects there, something happens in the spiritual realm. And so that whole Devo is to say, lovingly, no condemnation, but when you start to notice there's a gap, when your heart's not in it anymore, it is time to re-engage and deal with the disconnect so things can start to happen again. Wow. Just, oh my goodness. Uh, I, I believe our viewers and uh, listeners, as you're listening and or watching this program, uh, uh, you are gaining some insight on uh, how we prevail despite any circumstances and situations. Now, j just briefly here, uh, what might a disconnect look like in our lives today, especially with the situation that we are all facing of this uh, pandemic? You know, I think a disconnect today would be the difference between settling into our circumstances, you know, surrendering to our circumstances versus surrendering to God in our circumstances. You know, in the Psalms, we read about the Israelites, and I wish I had this verse memorized, but it says something to the effect that the Israelites refused to believe God's promise to love and care for them. Listen, that word is in there. They refused to believe God's promise to love and care for them. So they stayed in their tents and they grumbled and refused to obey the Lord. So first of all, they refused to believe there was a promise over their life. So then they crawled into the smallness of their circumstance and refused to take the next steps, even though there was a promised land with their name on it. You know, they self-quarantined, so to speak. And, you know, I, I think there's a big distinction between surrendering to your circumstances and surrender to God in your circumstances. So to camp in your circumstances is to say, this is all there is, you know, and you don't have any kind of vision for forward moving progress. To surrender to God in your circumstances is to say, this season does not define me. This season actually will not own me. I pass through the valley of the shadow. I don't camp here. I don't live here. I've got my eye on the horizon. And I believe that any day now I'm going to see the hand, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And Dr. Charles is someone who deals really daily with symptoms. I mean, I'm a fighter and I've got things I want to do, but my doctors have said, if you're not, if you weren't such a fighter, you would be so very, very sick still because of what goes on in the inflammation in my body. And so I, I, I have to contend for this every day. So, you know, in fact, you asked that at the open of the, of the show about how that has, you know, played into this book. I really believe all of us have to contend for the promises of God. I think we all by nature settle into our circumstances. You might be settling into your family line of predisposition towards anxiety or alcoholism or pessimism, you know, or gluttony or whatever your thing is. No condemnation there, but it's destructive to your soul. But when you say, you know what, I, this may have been in past generations, but it ends with me. I'm not settling here. I'm not letting this place define me. I'm passing through the valley to a place of promise. Now, in one of your devotional, you explore Elijah's prayer in 1 Kings 18, verse uh, 37. Can you just talk to us about that prayer? And now it is important uh, to have moments like what Elijah had with this prayer. Absolutely. And I pray you're okay with me reading it because I feel like I'm far more concise in this short Devo. Is that okay? Yes. If I just read. This is such a powerful moment when Elijah has the face off at Mount Carmel with the false prophets who are calling on their small G gods in the verses 1 Kings 18.37. Oh Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O oh Lord, are God and that you've brought them back to yourself. 
Elijah asked God to show himself strong on Elijah's behalf, both to show that he was the one true God and to draw people back to himself. Oftentimes, when we're in a predicament, we minimize it. I think someone needs to hear that today. Oftentimes, when we're in a predicament, we minimize it. We assume that since we're not facing down giants or evil kings, that God's intervention on our behalf won't be as significant. But did you know that others are watching your life from a distance? They know you profess Christ, and they want to know how you'll handle things when life pushes up against you. What if you stood back, considered your observers, and dared to pray like Elijah? Father, this isn't just for me. It is for those who are watching me. I am your servant. Intervene in my life so that others may see that you are the one true God. Show yourself strong on my behalf because I belong to you. Draw others to you because of your very real power in my life. If you're in step with the Lord and you're obeying his word, you are on solid biblical ground to pray such a prayer. So the action step in that Devo is pray audaciously today and tomorrow and the next day. The God of heaven knows your name and he loves you profoundly so. I love that one too. <laughs> Thanks oh, that, for letting me read it. That is powerful. Yeah. What passage of scripture has most come alive to you in uh, the recent days or years of your life? Well, I've been hanging around Hebrews 12 these days because there's so much there, but there's a point in there where it talks about working to live at peace with one another, to love each other. And then it goes into when you come, when you come to Mount Zion, you come to countless thousands of angels. You come to those whose lives have been made perfect. You come to Jesus himself and you come to this holy place and our God is a consuming fire. So be sure that you listen to the one who's speaking. And of course, that's my paraphrase because I don't want to page two, I should have had that open, but there's something so powerful. I feel like the two parts that are really standing out to me in a day where vitriol is at an all-time high, people seem completely okay with just divisions every which way, judgments every which way, uh, vitriol, hatred. It's, it's just been such a grief of my heart, especially in the body of Christ. And I'm, I mean, Jesus said he prayed that we would be one. And the self, the kind of quick quickness to assign a motive to someone else, but absolve yourself from looking at what's coming out of your own mouth and heart. I mean, it's just been grieving my heart. So as I've been thinking about our God is a consuming fire, well, that consuming fire, he burns up our foes. He consumes our fears, but he also consumes our carnal nature. And I think we all have to stay humble and teachable enough to know that we are works in progress. There are things we don't know and things we don't see. And I think the only way we're going to find revival in our world and in our nations is to say, start with me. I'm drawing a circle around me. God, deal with me, show me, correct me, protect me. Mm. May I just burn brightly for you. And I think that someone once said, the closer you get to the flame, the less it burns because the more you become like Christ. So I've been praying into that and thinking a lot about it and asking God, revive me, at least start with me. Amen. Why did you title your book, Prevail? Oh, I'm so glad you asked me that question. <laughs> Thank you. I'll send you money later for that one. But anyway, uh, you know, you know, as an author, you, you write books a good year ahead of time. So when we put this title on this book, we had no idea what 2020 was going to look like. And prevail means two things. It means to prove more powerful than your opponent and to be the last one standing. 
And you know, I, I, I love that again because I've someone I've I just had to contend. Nothing has come easy for me, but I've Amen. the more I've been acquainted with the promises of God, the more I'm going to contend for those promises. So I love that title, but I feel like it should be the word for 2020 and maybe 21 Amen. that we will overcome because Jesus overcame. Susie, before we get to praying for people here, uh, where can the people get your copy? So that's a great question. It's sold out the day that it released. And I mean, the warehouse is empty. It's, Amazon still has copies. So the second print run was on the ship coming from overseas. And you're not going to believe it, but the ship hit a storm and dumped a hundred cargoes overboard. But wow. my book prevailed, they said prevailed, which is pretty awesome, but it got <laughs> stuck at a port somewhere. Wow. So there's been this massive delay between the first print run and the second one. It's supposed to be here anytime, but I know for a fact, Amazon has copies right now but we're sold out as well oh that's that's good at least they can uh, go to your website are you going are you doing pre-orders well we're there we're past those and we sold through them but we sh we're expecting another shipment in about a week or two so yeah you can go to my website suzylarson.com and you can put your order in and we will hope and pray to fulfill it in about the next week and a half or so in this book, uh, 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 Prevail, Susie writes, Scripture is God's love later to us. She says that Scripture is God's love later to us. Every promise He makes, He keeps. Everything He asks of us, He redeems. Yet still, life is hard. Sometimes we drift from what's true and we let our God down. We have a very real enemy who looks for such opportunities, Susie writes. But we serve a very real God who draws us back to himself time and time again. He equips us to prevail, to prove that our enemy will not conquer us when this war is over through Christ we are the ones who will still be standing. Could you please take some time to pray for our viewers who are going through so many challenges that they stand through the Word of God? Absolutely. And I got to tell you, there's three scenarios that are really impressed upon my heart. Someone who's chronically ill and uh, someone who's a broken-hearted parent or spouse, you've got a prodigal. And someone, you resonated when I said you've settled into your circumstances in this in this season where you've settled into old habits that you know are bad, you feel lethargic, you feel stuck, and the enemy's trying to convince you that it takes too much energy to re-engage, but it only takes a prayer to re-engage. So Father in heaven, I want to pray for my dear brothers and sisters today, specifically for the chronically ill one. I pray supernatural power of God, miraculous healing. I pray every system in their body would work to support life and health, and we just cut off chronic illness in the name of Jesus, and I just speak life healing, wholeness, and flourishing to that person. God, that their latter years would be far more greater than their former years, and they would know a health that they never thought was possible. I pray for the loved one who's got a prodigal. Jesus, be the hound of heaven and go get that one who's lost and wandering. I pray that you cut off every relationship that lies to them, move every mountain that blocks their view of you, God, and put people in their path over and over again to point them to the living, true, loving Father in heaven who loves them and Jesus who died for them. God, be the hound of heaven and perform a miracle and bring this prodigal home, but don't just bring him home. Mobilize them to be one of the great evangelists in our day, I pray. And for the one sitting in the shadows who's either eating too much or drinking too much or whatever else too much and has lost their zest and will and their energy, I pray that you give them a vision 
for what you have for them. Without a vision, people perish. Give them a vision for their promised land, God. Activate their faith. Help them to get exercise. Help them to get rid of the junk food in their cupboards and to, and to really engage, Lord Jesus, in a way that's energizing and purposeful. And for everybody else listening today, Lord God in heaven, I pray, awaken us to a fresh passion of, of your name, Lord. Help us to know your love in a way that changes us and changes how we live and walk on the earth today. Lord, we're desperate for you, God. Forgive us for the multiple divisions, for our the way that we segment people off and make assessments that's evil. God, forgive us. I ask you, Jesus, bring a revival to every tribe, tongue, and nation. Bring a revival, oh God. Cut off the strength of the wicked. Increase the power of the godly. And may your name be praised throughout all the earth. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Susie, for coming on the program. We are so thankful and honored for your time here. God bless you so much. God bless you. I was just honored to get the time. Thanks for having me. And to our viewers, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord watch over you. Until next time, shalom, shalom. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Thank you for tuning in to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. If this program has been a blessing to you, write to us at life at and share your testimony.